Hello and welcome to the first episode of Talking Mayans MC. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm joined by the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk about this show, probably above most of the shows that we've done, just because I have such a vested interest in it. So let's get to it. Vested interest. All right. Okay, so um, we're a little late because uh, we probably should have done this last week. But, you know, uh, we will be talking about uh, episode one of season one of Mayans MC. As for those who may not know, this program is a, I guess it would be a spinoff or a, uh, would you call it a spinoff? I, I think I actually would call it a spinoff. Um, it doesn't, ha- it's not a reboot and it's not. Uh, kind of a, it's not really a continuation. So yeah, I think I'd call it a spinoff. Yes, yeah, a spinoff of the uh, FX hit series Sons of Anarchy, which uh, I believe it went off the air about two, three years ago, something like that. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it, it was. Uh, it's been off now for a couple of years, and now we have Mayans MC. So, uh, which stands for, of course, Motorcycle Club. So, <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, let's let's kind of briefly talk about what we thought of the the series Sons of Anarchy before we get into because we never did do a podcast of Sons of Anarchy. So, um, we'll briefly let's just kind of talk about um, our thoughts on Sons of Anarchy, and I will give you the floor first. Well. First of all, Sons of Anarchy, I think, was one of the first series that I watched where I felt compelled to be in a world that I had absolutely zero understanding of. Not only was it one of those sort of draw-you-in stories, it was one of those stories that draws you in in a way that um, it it kind of, like, it compels you... Let me just say this. (laughs) The entire episodic version of that story was such rich storytelling that it almost didn't matter what the setting was, what uh, what the actual pieces were that sort of surrounded it. The story itself took on this life of its own. So in that sense, it was really good. But there was something else about Sons of Anarchy that sort of made it, I think, uh, really rise to the level of being excellent. And that is, you you take a bunch of people who, in everyday life, you probably wouldn't look twice at, or you might even avoid looking twice at. And you turn them into these sympathetic protagonists that can carry a, a, a kind of weight with them that we want to experience week after week. And I know that there were some problems in that and i'm sure that you know we'll probably see some of those flaws filter through but overall it the just the the weight of the protagonists being as strong as they were i think is what made sons of anarchy so good also the other thing is it there's there's something about i think i I also experienced it with the sopranos there's something about this idea of organized crime that when you see it from a distance and can experience it through a story it is not just exciting it's sort of uh soul satisfying 
as if like you know there's a little piece of each of us that are like oh yeah you know this could be exciting there's something cool about it i don't know there's just that aspect of it not that we all want to get involved with organized crime or anything but the sort of just living vicariously through a bunch of people who are doing this is oddly soul satisfying so that's those those are my initial sort of feelings about sons of anarchy altogether yeah, I you know, Sons of Anarchy kind of took me by surprise. I really didn't think that this was going to be a show that I was going to really enjoy. And I but it was because so many people that I really respect their opinion about um you know, uh the content was like, "Dude, you got to check this out. You you know, it's a good show, you know, give it a chance." And I was like, "I don't know." You know, I was kind of like, I don't know about it, you know, and to my surprise, I really enjoyed it. It, you know, it wasn't like overnight, but it, you know, or the first episode, it took me a little while, but maybe three or four episodes. But then I become, you know, I became a very big fan of the show. I think the only season I didn't care for was the one where they were in um, Ireland. Uh, I just didn't like it. You know, I was like, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of weird. Yeah, I was like, get back to charming, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but, <clears throat> but, you know, something that I noticed, which I also am super excited to talk about in what's happening in Minds MC, uh, there's also there's this, the, the characters develop this sort of uh, instant intrigue, which is it, it's it carries a force of its own. One of the things that I loved the most about Sons of Anarchy altogether is that every time the characters engaged with each other or made a new relationship, those relationships tended to be like so consequential that it it felt um, it felt like watching sort of uh, a soap opera that had uh, you know all of the boring parts sort of herded out. And it, 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 every time something new would happen, especially to the core characters, it, it always felt like there was something compelling about those, what, like none of those relationships were inconsequential. Although I do have to say that going to Ireland, I feel like was sort of a, a Kurt Sutter, um, uh, like he was checking it off his wish list. I don't know how to describe that, but it just didn't seem to fit into the overall uh, theme of Sons of Anarchy. So, yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. So, um, as far as that series, they had a, a the last like three seasons of Sons of Anarchy was like next level good. The final season was amazing. And then we got to the the finale and it started out so good but i you know i wasn't a big fan of how it ended and there was a couple of other things that you know uh i don't we don't even need to get into because we're not doing the sons of anarchy podcast but um you know overall it was such a great experience you know um just watching the show and you know i'm i'm looking forward to uh mayans so let's get into um Mayans MC episode one and the, the name of the first episode is called Pero and um, you know Pero OC I'm sorry um, and uh, we know Pero is dog and the episode starts off with the, <laughs> this dog that you just want so bad to throw him 
a steak <laughs> or you know, tons of steaks. This poor dog was like the skinniest mangy thing, you know, <laughs> that exists. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, this dog, <laughs> you know, what a great visual too. It's like, he's eating a, um, or he's picking at a dead crow. I thought, what a great, uh, a, a great thing. And you got the, you know, the name of the episode's Pedro and he's eating a, a crow. You get, do you get it right? We are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah, and I I sort of <clears throat> felt like he was saying, "Okay, look, everybody, the crow is really dead." Yep, and the crow he, is <laughs> Sam Crow. Right. Right. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Were you asking me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Sam Crow, which I thought was pretty neat. I got it right away. I was like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." It, you know, it, it it was it and and. And also, and also, of course, when the motorcycle runs over him, uh, over the the crow, it, it once again—I mean—it just absolutely seemed like okay. Look, any thoughts that you might have had that the crow was not dead are like, uh, no, no. Yeah, I I thought that was a, a nice touch that they they put in uh, in the opening of it, and then we saw the dog about what three times throughout the episode, even until the end. Did. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was pretty cool. All right, so let's get into um, the characters, and um, the the first character that we have to uh, talk about is Ezekiel Easy Reyes, and it's played by J D Pardo. Um, J D J D Pardo uh, is a is a really good actor. Um, he, he you may know him unfortunately from his work in Twilight and he was on, uh, uh, he was uh, also in, uh, um, let's see what else blood and oil the TV series. And, uh, he also was, uh, on the show revolution, which he played, uh, uh, he played, um, 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 oh my God from, Oh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's son. If you remember that, remember that show? Uh, Revolution. Uh, that was that the one about the electricity. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay, he played yeah. the son who you know he had issues with him and stuff. Yeah. And then he also was in this really good sh uh, movie called Snitch with the Rock. Right. Uh, it, which that's a good movie. If you haven't seen that, check that out. That you is know? a good movie. So he's been in some stuff, and, and you know, and he's really on his you know an up and coming young actor, and uh, you know, uh, so. Um, and he's adorable too. Well, I'll let you say that. <laughs> <laughs> he is adorable. Yeah, and uh, so he is. Um, he his brother, um, and we'll we'll get deeper into the characters. But I just kind of want to say the, the the main characters. Um, we have um, uh, Angel Reyes, his brother, who's an older member of the MC. Um, he's played by Clayton. Cardenas and um, so far I, I like him I, I'm trying to think let me look up um, he has a familiar face you know he kind of looks like the Hispanic version of um, of John Bernthal a little bit <laughs> yeah. oh yeah you know you're right <laughs> yeah okay so oh, he was on the show Snowfall SWAT dang all these SWAT actors American Crime uh, TV series 
So okay, he hasn't he hasn't been around very long. So, uh, but you know, he's he's a, a fairly new actor to the game. But uh, so far, I like you know I, I like the little bit I saw of him. You know. Well, one thing I will say, just just from sort of my opening uh, ideas of the first episode, is the casting is really on point. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot still to be sort of developed, but everything that I saw just had every character had their own sort of excellence, um, and 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 not just that, but you know, they they looked they were dressed the right way. They were, everything was just sort of perfectly well done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to get deep into what we felt about the cast and the storyline and all of that kind of stuff. But I just want to kind of just map out the, the, the main people in there. Um, also we have their father on this show, uh, Felipe Reyes played by the great and the legendary Edward James almost. I mean, do I even need to, list his credits <laughs> you know he's been around for quite a while most everybody will remember him as adama from um Battlestar galactica and miami vice and american me and you know a bunch of other uh you know really good films and he was uh actually he was also in the, a good season of dexter too he had a, a, a interesting part as well i don't know if you remember that him and colin hanks uh, it was a uh, I, for, I forgot what season I think it was my, probably season five I think he he was on there. Uh, I'm he, I'm sort of embarrassed to say that I didn't watch as much Dexter as most people did. Oh okay. well, I love Dexter. It's a great show, uh, except for the last season was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a podcast on Dexter, but uh, that's another story. Okay, so um, now this guy. I'm a huge fan of because he's in one of my all-time favorite TV series, and it's Michael Irby who plays um, Obispo uh, Losa or Bishop, uh, you know, who's kind of like the leader of um, the leader of uh, the um, the Mayans MC, uh, and he was on my show The Unit, and I don't know if you have you ever seen The Unit. Um, I don't think so. No, oh, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> you officially suck. I don't want to ever hear anything about um, what I haven't seen because the unit oh, no. is like the flyest <laughs> show ever. Dennis Haysbert kicked total butt on that show, and he was a, and um, uh, man, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Michael Irby was a great character on that show. But, um, you know, he's been around for a while. Like, he was on the Taken uh, series as well as, you know, just a, a bunch of great true detective, uh, the following uh, almost human, uh, a bunch of, you know, bit parts on a lot of really good shows. But if the unit is the show. So uh, if you haven't seen the unit, shame on you. You suck. <laughs> Apparently, I, would, I have a new series now to watch. Oh my god, it's the greatest show ever! You, it's, I'll say real quick about the unit. Um, I had recorded them right because I was a big fan of Twenty Four, and Dennis Haysbert, who played the president on Twenty Four, was going to be on it, but I hadn't watched them yet. And it was this old black veteran that I was working with on a, a political campaign that asked me had I seen it yet, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna wait till the season's over and then watch them." And the guy. Loved the show so much that he was in tears. 
Oh, no way. Because he was saying that black servicemen are rarely depicted um, really well in his estimation because he had served, you know, he, he was he had served in the military and he was saying that his portrayal really hit home of black servicemen that he, you know, that he had served with and stuff like that. And it wow. was just so powerful. I went home that night and started watching the episodes and I became a big fan. So anyway, this is not the unit podcast. So, but I wanted to throw that in there. Um, okay. So, and then, um, of course we have Emilio Rivera who played Marcus Alvarez, as we know from, from, uh, sons of anarchy, um, which, you know, it's cool. Um, so we're not in the, uh, in charming, um, and, uh, you know, so we're in uh, another, it's another charter of the Mayans. And I like the fact that, you know, because, uh, you know, tying this series together, we get Emilio Rivera's or Marcus Alvarez. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was, uh, and there were some couple of other things too, where we'll get to that. I feel like, uh, that was really good that they, you know, tied this series together. And, um, then also, um, uh, we have Danny Pino who, plays Miguel Galindo and you know him from Law and Order SVU. He was on there for several seasons. A really, really good job on that show. And so far he looks like he's uh, given a good performance on this program as well. So uh, I was glad to see him involved in the series because I think he's a, he is a very good actor and I'd like to see him in this. Okay. So we got all that out the way. All right, so let's get into the show. Um, and then we'll go back into the cast. Okay, so the episode was an hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty long. Yeah, it's very long for uh, a TV show. And one thing that the Sons of Anarchy TV show did was, um, a lot of people don't know this, most TV shows are a strict 42 minutes you know without the commercial breaks 42 to 45 minutes and the reason for that is when you make a tv series it's all about syndication right and you want to get it in syndication and you want to make it as easy as possible to sell so one reason why a lot of shows are very strict about the time or that's an old adage is because of this reason sons of anarchy um is the first show to my knowledge um, that really played with the time on a regular basis, meaning that, you know, the last couple of seasons, they had a lot of two hour episodes, hour and a half episodes, hour and 15, you know, so I'm imagining in syndication, they probably have like a really redacted (laughs) version of those episodes that probably will feel weird. And um, a lot of times not make sense. Right, because <laughs> it's all about making money, right? And uh, which I understand. And um, sometimes more is not better, you know. And you see a lot of other shows are starting to adopt that. You know, we'll make longer episodes and then you know just have the redacted ones for uh, for the um, uh, syndication. Um, more isn't always better, but I think they do a good job. Generally, uh, I'm, I'm now including Sons of Anarchy of giving you these longer episodes and it not just being, you know, um, 
just more just for the sake of more um probably they could have edited out some of the arriving on motorcycles you know <laughs> footage <laughs> you know like it would seem like there was a lot of you know really establishing you know stuff uh, yeah. in this episode i understand that they're trying to you know really give you the feel for this this crew but um you know I mean, I think after about like the 18th time, I was like, okay, I get it. They're a motorcycle club, <laughs> you know, well, but it was well, cool. You know, though, in, uh, in, in a lot of different fiction circles, world building is such an integral part of drawing a viewership sort of in drawing people into what it is that you want to tell. And so, and Kurt Sutter's always been sort of, uh, extra visionary when it comes to his world building and and some of his shots were i mean they were really good the in the very beginning there's an overhead shot which shows you sort of both sides and <clears throat> i immediately thought we're going to play both sides and i don't mean both sides of the border i mean there's two sides of what's going on in this story and that was like less than 2 minutes into the the, the story itself so I, I really like what he does in that sense. And <clears throat> although, yes, possibly, we could have had less of it, I think in some ways setting up the, the initial big giant storyboard is important to people because he we want to make it as different from Sons of Anarchy as we can while still showing you all the connections that exist and this is how you'll this is why you'll feel comfortable in this world right does that make sense no it makes sense and i understood why they did what they did i'm just saying that you know at a certain point the all the you know we're arriving on our motorcycle stuff was kind of repetitive but you know it's but it's fine you know like i'm i mean it's not like a you know it's not like a, a, a diss or anything like that. It was just kind of funny. I noticed that was something that I did, you know, pay attention to. And it kind of drug a little bit. It, it kind of made it drug, dry, drag a little bit. Um, also, and and so overall, I really enjoyed the premiere. So I think when I'm going to bring up a couple of just a few knocks that I had, and then we can just focus on all the positives because it's mainly positives right um you know um the uh the flashbacks right and i understand they're integral to the storyline right and it tells you know the backstory right? right i don't know if i love it though because i i don't know like I don't know. I I've always I feel like we can learn the backstory through telling the story forward, you know. And I don't know that I, but I, I it seemed like uh, you know I wonder was that you know a way just to get Gemma in there for that first episode, you know? Uh, I yeah. Hope, yeah. I which you know I'm sure a lot of fans will love it, and I love Katie Segal. I thought she was the the best women on television during her period of time. Uh, when that show was running, it was like her and uh, and um, uh, the young lady uh, uh, Tatiana Masolani from uh, Orphan Black. I thought they were like the best women on TV during that period of time. But you know, I guess that was like kind of fan service. You know, I I'm hoping that this. 
I hope there's not a lot of flashbacks, um, you know, because sometimes that kind of takes me out of a, a show, you know, like like a show like Lost. I understood it, you know. I hope this show isn't like, you know, we're going to just keep going back to before, you know what I mean? Like, I hope that was just in this episode because that kind of made me a little nervous. When I saw him, I was like, okay, please don't get flashbacky, <laughs> you know, because, you know, like I like. You know, we can, you know, I don't know. Uh, what'd you think about it? Well, I mean, I did. I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about flashbacks in particular mm-hmm. on television just because visually I don't know if they always work. I don't know if they even always help us unless it's to sort of clear up a point of narrative that they just can't get to. And, and then it kind of sometimes feels like sloppy storytelling. So I don't know, but but it, I I will say that in this particular instance, I, I it did sort of at least clarify to me why the uh, no I shouldn't say it that way it didn't clarify to me it gave me a slightly richer understanding of what I think is going to be the battle to come, and that maybe sort of was helpful, but it didn't unless they were going to do something like really explain, you know, how he got to be a DEA operative or, uh, you know, why he was let out so early or something like that. I, 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 yeah. I mean, the personal drama in a flashback is a little bit, it's, I don't know. I feel kind of like it might be slightly disingenuous to the story. And I, I mean, I would be very interested to hear what sort of the rationale behind that was, whether it was to make us sympathetic toward her because she's now on the opposite side, basically. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I wasn't really sure what to make of, the soup that that was. I'm sure they're trying to build something with it. I just don't think the first episode gave us enough information. And and just for anybody who's listening, who's like, oh man, it's just the first episode. I get it. We get it. We can only go off of what we have in front of us. So a couple of episodes from now, or maybe even tonight, we may have a different view based on more information. So, right. but we can only talk about what we see now. So, Pipe down, because I know people get really invested and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Don't say nothing, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I'm just saying how I felt in those moments, you know, but it, to be honest with you, I got nervous with the two flashbacks. I was like, oh, please don't do that. You know, like I was, that's what I was thinking, like, please don't do that. But um, and um, but, you know, uh, it didn't really do it anymore. So my hope is that. Okay, they gave us what they felt like we needed and, you know, and we're going to move forward. So, you know, but that was really my only real thing was a little bit the pacing, but it's the first episode and the uh, the worry about the flashbacks. But, you know, let's get into the the positives, which, you know, is full of positives. One thing that Kurt Sutter and, you know, and, and he didn't write this alone, obviously, but uh, I think his name is Elgin, Elgin, sorry, Elgin, Elgin James, who, let me see Elgin James, if I'm familiar with this person's work, um, as my computer for some reason is taking a long time. Uh, oh, okay. So he is, um, 
he has something called low low riders uh and he oh he worked on the gangland show which was a good show by the way yeah gangland was good yeah okay so yeah all right so he's okay so they wrote this together so um okay so he's kind of you know hasn't don't have too many credits but um do you know anything about him before uh, I, I i i actually don't i wish that i did mm. I, th- I, I i will say this i will say that that if you listen i watched this episode twice mm-hmm. uh once when it first premiered and then i watched it again during the week i kind of like to do those things just so that i can kind of clear my thoughts about it and there's the one thing that stands out to me about the actual writing in this episode is the dialogue is is quite good without being contrived, which I could see that it could easily slip into. Um, they didn't sort of use the, the kind of uh, tired tropes that I would almost expect that they would use. Um, and they also, the, the dialogue itself was engaging enough without sort of beating us over the head with certain uh to make us understand stuff like their dialogue was actually really organic so hats off to them for writing that okay so going back to uh elgin uh james i'm just looking him up um so i'm trying to get an idea uh he's a musician as well uh did punk rock um and he oh, studied music dur- in this. Yeah, this was good too, right? Yeah, and he was part of the Freedom Riders move. Or wait, his parents did. Okay, I was about to say he's pretty young for that. Uh, and he's been he studied the the writings of Malcolm X, Stokely Carmichael, and Huey P. Newton. Wow! Oh, get out of here! I'm like I like him already. <laughs> you know. Uh, all right. So, um, yeah. Okay. So. I'm just looking. Um, uh, okay. So he was arrested by the FBI in 2009, stemming from an incident for him. He was charged with criminal complaint of federal attempt of extortion. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn. He, is a, uh, he was sentenced to one year in prison. So he has a background. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little more... Uh, um, re- research him, but uh, he, he looks like he's um, he's an interesting. It says he's a uh, he is mixed race, and was raised by civil rights activists on a rural farm. Wow. Yeah. So um, interesting. He's what, got some perspective then. Yeah. So I I really want to do some more research on this guy. He seems very interesting. Okay, so I just wanted to, you know, maybe for the, for the next one, I'll have some more information to, to use uh, for this. So, okay, so Kurt Sutter, you know, who is awesome, and he really is good at creating these characters that, you know, although you would walk past them in real life, but he makes them relatable in a way. Exactly, yeah. So, you know... Like even some of the real despicable ones, like Tig, you know, <laughs> you know, you kind of like Tig, even though in real life you would 
totally want that guy behind bars, <laughs> you know? Well, well, that was the whole, right. That was the whole, and that, that, I think that that was one of the whole Sons of Anarchy, you know, sort of, this is why it was so great. This is what, that this is like his speciality is making characters that you would normally look away from. You're all of a sudden compelled to be like, oh my God, what are they going to do next? Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I think that this, this, uh, series uh um they start off with you know you really get to feel the crew you know and they do it in a really cool way this kind of we we ease into it and then we get to the shootout and um which you know that's one thing about being a criminal you shouldn't have tattoos if you're if you're a crook. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing that can identify you but you should not have those but you know uh I think that, um, uh, you know, I I love how you get right into it and, uh, and you really get to see what the power dynamic is pretty early on and really understand how, you know, you know, we, we, you know, we get that, uh, let me see if I can find this guys. I just see, I I just see. I like that he starts out as a nothing. I like that he starts out as a, uh, as like a, a basic you know, okay, here's here's the new recruit, and I, I like that. I like that he's as a prospect that he doesn't have any standing, and uh, th- there's something about sort of that playing that that very level playing field that seems sort of right to enter in on. The idea that they want to give him a seat at the table, the quote unquote seat at the table, is. Uh, I found that to be pretty surprising and I found like what that happened really fast way faster than I thought it would happen mm-hmm. yeah um, also the the character we haven't discussed him yet uh, played by Richard uh, Cabral uh, Johnny Coco Cruz the, the real crazy psycho guy you know um, who if you've seen this movie called Breaking In, he he was like the rape the rapey guy, <laughs> you know, in, in that movie. He was like this despicable guy, that, you know, in this in that film, uh, and he seems to be essentially playing like a very similar <laughs> kind of <laughs> character. You know, he's the Tig, he's the Latino Tig, I guess. You know, because there was that one part where they were making all those jokes, uh, you know, at the doctor's office, and then. He takes it to like this disgusting, you know. That's right. <laughs> he had his mother into it, and they're like, "You always got to make things disgusting." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was that was a funny scene. Uh, you know, when they uh, uh, that scene, but it really showed you like he's the tick guy. You know, he's the you know the guy. We'll see if you know if he's uh if he's gonna be the um. Uh, is he going to be lovable uh, psycho or is he going to be, you know, just a psycho, you know? Well, I'm kind of hoping, uh, oh, wait, you know what? I just, I got to, since you brought up the doctor scene, I just got to say that scene was so well played. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, I I actually really felt bad. (laughs) Mm. It really did tease that poor guy. I felt actually sort of sad for him, which is saying something because at this point, 
I, it's hard. The only person that I can think of that I actually should feel bad for is uh, is uh, Ezekiel's dad. That's the only one I can think of that we should feel bad for right now. Everybody else is sort of like, yeah, y'all are just. This is the, y'all should get everything that you get right now. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because uh, the guy who was wounded, uh, I'm looking at, you know, some information on him. Uh, uh, he was a, um, uh, his name is Joseph, uh, Lu, Lu, sorry, Lucero. Sorry, I had to go back to the screen. And it shows how he was a gang member. And now he's an actor now. And, oh, no uh, way. Yeah. So he looked real legit. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, he looked real, real legit. Now, he said he wasn't uh, Mexican. Um, I was trying to see what his uh, ethnicity is. Because uh, remember, he said because he didn't speak Spanish. And yeah, but, you know, we'll have to, eventually, hopefully we'll see what, what it is. But but now that there's a nice article about about his change from gang to uh to uh actor now wow so yeah that was, that was pretty interesting um all right so let's get into the plot all right so the main plot is essentially that you know very early on the drugs that they were running for the cartel is ripped off by um by some unknown assailants who you know, um, Ezekiel sees the tattoos. I don't know why he didn't just say it before they met with the cartel. He waited till the cartel meeting to, to say what he thought. But uh, so he he makes a mistake and says who he thinks that the uh, the bad guys are, which you know got him a punched in the face <laughs> by Bishop, and now they have to get the Samoan kingpin to uh to make things square with the uh the cartel. And uh so they get into an old fashioned graveyard shootout. <laughs> which... Oh my god, that scene was so <laughs> next level. Jeez. I, I just love how like no one can shoot <laughs> Except for the Mayans, <laughs> you know, and uh, and Psycho, uh, you know, Coco, he was like, you know, if if they were, if it was a video game, he would have got the high score in his uh, sniping, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny when he's uh, sniping all the people. He would he take out about like ten people. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then he he nicked, uh, you know, the small cat uh, in the ear. And then we had the great scene of uh, Robert Patrick, who we know from Sons of Anarchy, who played one of the um, uh, other Sam Crow uh, chapters uh, leader, stepping in and saving the day. I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So, you know, you get the Sons of Anarchy. And I like that they used other chapters, you know, so that, you know, one, it makes the world bigger. Yeah, and then you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll see what's left of the of uh, the charming chapter. I mean, uh, probably not in this season, though. I don't, you know, unless we may get like, like a 
somewhere I here. I kind of hope they don't do that. Mm. No, I mean, I mean, I, I maybe in a in a subsequent season, but I really hope that they maintain focus because because you're right. As much as you want to make the world sort of bigger, you know, they're not alone. The the universe is bigger than just this chapter. I I do think that series get into trouble when they try to bridge too many uh when there's too many bridge points to cover because then the story just kind of then it feels like there's all these lost leaders everywhere so i kind of hope they don't do that i i sort of i almost felt that way between um i sort of felt that way about the entire introduction of emily Altogether, it almost made me feel like, ah, uh, you know, and and I, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, so this is all speculation. But ah, uh, it just, I didn't sit right with me. Like it just makes me think they're going to go off in this direction, and I already don't like that. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that overall I didn't love this. I absolutely did. I just was a little uh, disappointed with a couple of little plot points. So. And one of them was definitely not the graveyard scene. That was really awesome. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it really was. It's the kind of thing that you have to see to truly appreciate. It's not something that you should let your friends describe to you. You definitely just need to watch a bunch of grown men shooting it out in a graveyard. It is the next best thing compared to the OK Corral. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I, I liked it. That was a great scene. It was like uh, it it felt uh, like uh, definitely uh, a scene where you you know <laughs> you know des- desecrating these poor uh, dead people's <laughs> burial, right? <laughs> with the with that, but it's hilarious. I thought it was very good. So um, now the show definitely wants to wants to to realize that the violence is going to be at an all-time high when you know they chop off uh the uh, I, and i'm so sorry i can't think of uh I was, i'm trying to find the, the guy's name uh, i hate to say the samoan guy but, yeah the uh, samoan guy yeah um so uh, what was his name yeah so um, please uh in, they, they yeah. did say his name i know they, they did yeah i'm let me look it up so because i give him his propers uh, and so I can definitely give him his propers because you know he he was in there for a short time and he definitely made a big impact. Yeah, um, he did. They carried his body around the entire episode. I know that's like. crazy. Uh, okay, I, I don't see, it. but anyway, so but. You know, they they definitely want us to know that hey, the violent is violence is at an all time high, and that scene was you know, ugh, it was tough man. Yeah, that was hard to watch. Yeah, oh god, and it's like he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, you know, but you know, I I think that uh, I'm gonna just give up. I can't find. Although. It. <laughs> although, although to be you know, in in a weird way, doing it that way, making it so gratuitously over the top, mm-hmm. sort of made it. Uh, it made us sort of uh, more sympathetic mm-hmm. to uh, to what needed to happen later. Saran wrapping the body and dragging it all over the place, and I mean, like, I don't know. There was something sort of uh, 
God, I hate to use the word entertaining, but there was something, um, there was something that that kind of made us feel something more, just because of the way that this poor guy died. Yeah, he's you know, yeah. I thought that it's funny how once you get your hand, your arm chopped off, how you can you all of a sudden start remembering shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm trying to think, you know, if there's like if I've seen anything sort of like that. And I mean, the, the, the idea of a torture scene is so difficult to gauge whether it's effective or not. But this one was really effective because it felt like, you know, he, the information that he was holding on to was not really all that earth shattering. It was like just enough. But it, but also it was like, obviously the guy sort of remembered something, right? Something that, I doubt if he'd told it in the beginning, it would have saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were pretty committed to killing him. So, you know, it wasn't going to matter much at all, but, uh, yeah, I would have gave up everything. I'd have been like, you know, I'd have gave up my family. I'd have gave up everybody. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd have no, gave really, you my a- grandmother's involved. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been like, man, just don't, don't do that to me. You know, but, uh, yeah, it was very effective. So, uh, uh, another thing. You know what it is? You Mm -hmm. know what it is? It's the unflinching way that they did it. It's the way that, that clearly portrays this idea that it's, they're not just a violent gang, which obviously we know the cartel's violent. It's not just that they're violent. It's that they are not afraid to be more than violent. That is like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's not just, they're not looking away. They're not looking for a way to be uh, nice about how to get whatever it is that they need. They'll do whatever it takes. You know what I call it? I call it the, the Henry Hill effect. And what I mean by that is, um, or maybe I should say the, the Joe Pesci effect, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Because Henry Hill in Godfather, and Godfather, I'm sorry, in um, in Goodfellas, uh, played by Ray Liotta, is a evil person, right? He he did a lot of horrific things. So how do you make him not seem so bad? You have Joe Joe Pesci's character, <laughs> uh, Tommy. You know, Tommy is a psychopath, horrible person. So next to Henry Hill or Ray Liotta's character you you know he doesn't look so bad you know and you see that in a lot of films where they want to make you not think someone who is totally bad not so bad by putting someone thousand times worse you know so yeah so uh i i think you know there you go with that so you have the the cartel who is doing these really horrific things makes the mayans not look so bad because next to the cartel there, you know, they are uh, good guys, right? They're cute and cuddly. So, uh, <laughs> and, you know, there's a, a similar theme too than Sons of Anarchy where, you know, the sons were bonded to the uh, Irish, uh, the IRA, and right, they, right. you know, they were kind of forced to do things at times that they didn't want to, and then they eventually had to sever the ties. And it, you see this here. 
um, where the Mayans are are bonded to the cartel and, you know, they're forced to do things they really necessarily don't want to do, which causes strife in the group because now you have this other storyline going on where you have the, the, um, ooh, excuse me, sorry. Uh, you have, uh, the Reyes brothers are now involved in, you know, uh, kind of backstabbing the, the crew because, uh, they're working with the rebels who are going against the cartels. So it's, right. you know, it's stuff all over the place. So, uh, well, and I mean, you know, <clears throat> I think that that can do two things, right? One, of course, we're just at the beginning of the story, so we don't really know where it's going to go. But, you know, the, there's the possibility when you do it this way that you can, that they can act against their nature. Um, but there's also, uh, just hopefully they don't do this, there's also the possibility that they they, they sort of use it as a, uh, as a story tool to make things seem... Uh, a little bit more conscionable than mm -hmm. they should be. And the, I did have some issues with Sons of Anarchy with that, where <clears throat> there were certain things that happened that felt really unconscionable. And <clears throat> somehow we got the impression that these things were uh, not okay, but that they were less than what I think we really should have felt by them. And I, I mean, obviously, again, I don't know where this is going to go, um, but I can see that they've set up uh, just such a, an interesting block for the group itself to be in, included in, not just the cartel stuff, but where do other gangs fit in? And then there's the, then there's the both side of the border thing, which is so interesting. I really like that a lot because the way that you see things on one side of the border is not the way that you see things on the other side of the border. That was really interesting to me. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. And I loved it, too, because it, it there was a lot of depth in the storytelling of the, the pilot episode. I thought it hit all the Sons of Anarchy markers that you expect from a spinoff or whatever you want to call. It kind of had the vibe. But then it also had this this underlying um, aesthetic that was its own. And I love the the Mexican aesthetic, you know, in the visuals as well as the, uh, you saw the some of the religious artifacts and you saw just the, the feel of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, I loved, I loved that part of it. Yeah, I love the Madonna wrapped in. Uh, no, she's a, is she the Madonna or is she, see my iconography is off. You know what? Um, I know they have a, they actually have like some sort of saint or something. The patron saint, yeah. That's uh, what of tunnels or something like that. <laughs> something like that. I think that's what that was. Uh, I remember seeing that somewhere a long time ago. So, uh, it's so much stuff that I got to unpack and we have to unpack. And I'm sure like one, cause I don't think this is, uh, I think this is only 10 episodes. So, uh, probably afterwards we probably have to go back and then just break down like a lot of the little nooks and crannies of the show, because it seems like there's a lot going on in, uh, you know, that's under the surface as well. And, uh, you know, we have about 10 minutes left in this show and I, I just want to, you know, uh, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Um, Edward James Olmos's character, uh, who is uh, Felipe Reyes, who is uh, both Ezekiel and Angel's 
uh, father in this. Uh, I, you know, I want to know a lot more about him. You know, um, you know, was he always a butcher? Was he ever in the club? Uh, he seems, you know, they, he seems to get a lot of respect. Is it just because he's the father of Angel? Uh, I like to see that. And um, also, you know, of course, there's the there is the um, the the part of you know how did Ezekiel get into this position? Well, we know that he went to prison for killing a cop, but you know, you know what was the the, the turn? You know, we had uh, Kevin Jimenez uh, played by Maurice Compete. I probably said his name wrong. I apologize. Um, who's his handler, you know, so we're going to be seeing that a lot and, uh, you know, how this all shakes out. I mean, there's so much that they, so many nuggets that they dropped in that first episode. There's so much that we can talk about, you know, I mean, we could talk about this episode for like two hours, but, uh, you know, but we're going to try to keep these to a, a brisk hour <laughs> so before we go well, on we, we need we need another episode <clears throat> and two <clears throat> excuse me to seriously get sort of some uh story perspective about where this is going because i think that by the time we get to the third episode we're gonna have not just a whole lot more character development and story development but we're also gonna have a better feel for where things kind of atmospherically take us so it, you know, like you said, the first episode was super violent, and but I mean, you know, what what what's at the heart of all of this? Is the heart of the story the cartel story, or is the heart of the story the DEA side gathering information? I mean, like I, I don't know. I just don't know where. We'll see. We'll see. That's for sure. And so I, I really enjoyed it, and you know, this is going to be a lot of fun covering this this series i think it, I, i'm very excited and if you want to uh know more about this podcast of course you can always go to our website indyradio.org but we also have uh, a fan page we would like likes because you know we just like to be liked uh and that is uh facebook.com forward slash talking mayan Mayans, sorry, talking Mayans. Uh, and then we also have a group. Uh, what is the uh, handle for that? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What is the I'm handle? So sorry, Kente. You know what? I am so slow on the take. I apologize to everyone. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's called Mayans FX. Mayans FX. Okay. So, I'm sorry. It's called Talking Mayans FX. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, oh, okay. And. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so um, uh, now what time does the episode, do you watch it when it airs? I, I don't watch it when it airs <clears throat> because I'm on uh, a DirecTV network and it airs for me in the middle of the afternoon. Oh. So I wait until primetime hours, let it DVR, and then watch it in the evening. Oh, so you won't see this one until tomorrow. I, I won't see it until later tonight. What time? It tonight? Airs, it, it's already aired for me. Oh, so when 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 you see it, I'll see it tonight. Like what time? Uh, probably around seven, eight o'clock Hawaii time. Oh, okay. So that's like what ten my time. That's like about ten your time. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're up for it, you know, if you're up for it, 
maybe we can do episode two tonight uh, after you see it. Yeah, that you know that actually might be good. It's oh, I feel like it's always good to do stuff while it's super fresh. Yeah, so I know we put out Thursday, but we're gonna have like two episodes already. But um, you know, uh, hey, early is way better than late. So, <laughs> so you know what? We're gonna try to get another episode recorded tonight. I think the show comes on at seven my time, so uh, that's about about an hour from now. So. Uh, I'm going to try to watch it, you know, uh, right, you know, uh, probably start around 730 just so I can skip the commercials. Uh, so, so, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, a really good show and I'm, you know, just ready uh, to, to talk, talk you know, Mayans. One, um, one last little um, comment, one observation. The thing that I really appreciate, I I don't have a whole lot of, uh, in fact, I have zero ethnic representation. I mean, I'm a a white girl in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But I I have to say that I, I really like the attempt here to create a story around something that is not necessarily just the the same old, same old that actually incorporates, like you were talking about, um, religious iconography, things that <clears throat> we wouldn't normally see, uh, cultural identity markers that are new to us. I like that. I, I just, I feel like we should just give that more of a shout out than maybe we normally do because it really does mean something. It means a lot. And, you know, this is, I love that this is what they're doing and I'm hoping that you know, they just continue with uh, the great storytelling, and I uh, hope this is the best is yet to come. So let's start off with you. How can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? I am on Twitter at following bliss one, and I have a website that's called criticallaughs.com. I have another that's called moviesmakethemeal.com, and you can find me at both. All right. And uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and you can uh, go uh, to our website, IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. And of course, you can uh, like us at uh, Facebook.com forward slash Talking Mayans. And once again, the group. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking Mayans. uh, Talking Mayans FX. All right. Okay. So with all that said. Uh, We will catch you maybe tonight, if not uh, pretty soon. Uh, Thank you so much. It was a, it was great covering the show and looking forward to the season. Awesome. Just getting up or just getting out the door. We get it. Life in SoCal isn't always nine to five. That's why today in LA's team is going strong at the crack of dawn for you. Shauna, her forecast will tell you what to wear. Alicia, her down-to-the-mile traffic will keep you in the clear. Adrian and Daniela, they'll break down all the morning's breaking news so nothing takes you by surprise. It's simple. You wake up, we'll open your eyes. Today in L.A., for you. Starting at 4 a.m.